Imagine loving your life after 50 and feeling energized and excited about your future. Welcome to the Women in the Middle podcast, the podcast for women who are ready to figure out what they want and create the life they deserve. Here's your host and master certified life coach, Susie Rosenstein. Hey there, welcome back to the podcast, Women in the Middle. I'm your host, Susie Rosenstein, and I am so glad to be here with you again for this week's episode, which is another interview in my series called Getting Real with Women in the Middle. Getting Real introduces you to real-life women in the middle who've made a big, scary change and figured out how to love their midlife. Now, you may recall that I describe the Women in the Middle podcast as super practical, authentic, and real. That's why I love the Getting Real series so much. Real women, real life. All right, let's get going. I am super excited to introduce you to my guest today. She's someone who made one of these really big, scary decisions to leave a profession she worked her butt off to excel in. Specifically, my guest today was a frustrated pediatrician who made a big, scary change to become a weight loss coach for physicians. Please welcome Dr. Katrina Ubell. Katrina, thanks so much for joining us today on Women in the Middle. Susie, I could not be more excited to be here today. Thank you for inviting me. Oh my gosh. So what I'm so excited about with you is, uh, and my listeners know this from my podcast, that I always say that a midlife funk is not always what you think. A midlife funk is not always, oh my God, I'm freaking, I'm turning 50, or, or I'm in a crisis and I need a red Ferrari. It's not all that. <laughs> And sometimes what happens with these midlife funks is that it's a stage thing more than an age thing. And that is one of the reasons I was so excited to talk to you because as a physician, what I've noticed is a lot of physicians tend to come up against this midlife funk thing more in their 30s. It's really about stage, not about age. So could you just tell me a little bit about what was going on with you in your 30s when you started to feel a little funky? Absolutely. I love talking about this. So, you know, what I always kind of joke about with physicians is that we're kind of developmentally delayed in the sense that all of our friends have graduated school and have real jobs and are making real money and are traveling the world and having fun. And meanwhile, we're still either making no money or very little toiling away in the hospital. And then we kind of get spit out at the very end of our 20s or the beginning of our 30s. And we're like, wait, now I'm a real adult. Like, what am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to have a family, buy a house, you know, all of these things. But then it's almost like we are put into this point where we're developmentally accelerated, right? Where it's like all of a sudden then we are in that funk. We're like, wait a minute, this is not at all what I signed up for. Way back in high school or college when I thought, hey, I want to be a doctor, I was not thinking that this life was going to be like this, whatever it is, that image that we had in our brains. So what happened for me is I went through all my training and had a family and everything, was in a very successful private pediatric practice, really nothing to complain about in terms of, you know, my work life, Uh, my call was decent, everything was really quite good, but I was sort of in that funk and I really didn't know what was going on for me necessarily. I kept thinking that I just needed more systems. So by the time I was at my end of my 30s, I had three children and I just kept thinking like, well, I just feel kind of disoriented and 
kind of in this crazy state because I'm still in the baby zone or because I'm pregnant or because whatever I have going on. And I'd had some fertility issues too. So we always had that going on in between the babies being born and being pregnant. And so there are just a lot of things going on. And I attributed, you know, my life funk kind of just not being super happy to that. And then as I was approaching 40, I was done having kids. I had tried lots of different systems, <laughs> lots of different ways of getting more organized, feeling like I was wanting to show up as a mother differently than I was, but didn't know how I could somehow summon the energy to do that because my days at work drained me so incredibly much. And I really had this, I mean, kind of, you know, jokingly, but kind of this come to Jesus moment. And so what ended up happening was that my parents were aging as they as we all do, right? Everyone gets older. And somebody else that I know had gone through a significant health uh, crisis that resulted in the death of her mother-in-law. Mm. Um, well, then I worked with her. And so I saw her go through this process with the, her family in town. So she was able to be with them and how she really last minute needed to take a bunch of time off of work to help the family and then the funeral and all of that aftermath. And I just was thinking about myself then and realizing, okay, my parents live a seven hour drive away. It's definitely going to be me when they need something. They're getting to that point. They're very healthy still, but like they're getting to that point where something could happen. I really could get that call of XYZ is happening. And I didn't feel like I had that flexibility built into my contract. And so I requested to have more of that. And, um, you know, we don't need to get into details, but it was denied. Oh. And this was a bit of a last straw kind of a thing where for a long time I had felt basically underappreciated, felt kind of less than some of the other doctors. Now, of course, I understand now that so much of this is all my thinking and I really could have used a coach, but it really deeply was painful to have that experience. And so when that happened, I just was so furious and I really had a hard time getting over it. I'm in general a very good sleeper and I couldn't sleep. That's how bad it was. I never am up nights worrying or, or stressed about something and this was actually happening. So it was literally two in the morning. I can't sleep. I'm fuming in my brain. My husband's snoring next to me. I'm just <laughs> like unable to calm myself down to be able to get to sleep. And so I didn't know at the time, but I kind of started coaching myself. I said to myself, okay, if you're going to be this upset about it, like, then you need to do something. You know, don't just sit here and be mad. What are your options? Start thinking about what your options are. So my brain started getting into this solutions focused mode. Hmm. And so I, I thought to myself, okay, well, what are all of your options? List all of your options, every single option you have. Okay, well, I could stay at this job. I could try to work less. I could try to modify my hours, which I basically knew wasn't going to work, but it was a possibility, right? I could go work at this place. I could go work at that place. I knew I wouldn't really want to move because my husband is a physician and owns his practice. So we weren't really going to be moving um, you know, away or anything, but you could go work at urgent care. You could go do these things. And then in that moment, this thought bubbled up for me. It just popped up in my brain and I had the thought, or you could retire early. And I literally remember kind of like being taken aback at that thought, being like, could I? <laughs> like, I'm talking to myself like, do people do that? Could I do that? So I'd been in practice for 10 years 
And I thought, well, what if I just worked another 10 years? I mean, 20 year career is totally respectable. Like, cause immediately I'm thinking, what will people think? Like doctors don't do that. What are you talking about? <laughs> don't be ridiculous, you know? And so I got myself to sleep that night by telling myself, okay, you can retire early. You can retire in 10 more years. You just have to do this 10 more years. So the next morning I'm talking to my husband and he of course knew what was going on. And I said, listen, I think I want to retire in 10 years. I think I can only do this 10 more years. I only want to do this 10 more years. And he kind of thought about it and was like, well, you know, we'll still have kids in college, but okay. Yeah, we can, we can plan for that. (laughs) We can do that. And so I was like, okay. But it was so interesting. Once I opened that door in my brain to the idea of not practicing medicine anymore, it was like, this is the solution. So 10 years, within two weeks, 10 years went to five years to two years to six months. Wow. I was like, I need to leave. I, I need to not be doing this anymore. Oh, I love that you talked about this because so many times we're not even willing to open the door. So we feel so stuck and so enmeshed and so powerless to our circumstances. Oh yeah. I was so in victim mentality. I mean, I was so disempowered in the way that I was approaching my job. And I often say, you know, if I'd had some really good coaching, maybe I would have stayed. I don't know. <laughs> and I don't regret at all what I did, but I really could have used some help. Like and the other, the other thing that I, I just love is that once you open the door, you started to see other things. And that's yeah. so common. In fact, the, somebody I interviewed on the podcast last week was talking about that, that she was just so shocked at the possibilities that became obvious to her and available to her once she looked, had a different lens about her life. So this is an unusual option that you were entertaining. I'm sure you knew none of your colleagues were doing No. <laughs> and I really did worry a little bit about what people would think. You know, go, you go through this lengthy process to become a physician. And then after 10 years, you just give it up. But I have to also say that I had been in this state approaching 40 of just a kind of overall life reevaluation. And I think that's actually really pretty common as we approach these big milestone birthdays. I think it happens when you start, um, when you're reaching 40, I think when you're closing in on 50, I think it happens again in 60. And I really was thinking so much more of what do I want in my life? Not so much of like, what is this path that I committed to ages ago when I was 22 or whatever, 21 or whatever it is when I first decided I was going to do this. And what do I want now? What makes sense for my family and my life now? I had no idea if I'd be married, if I'd have children, what they'd be like, anything about my life. And so I, I wonder if being in that kind of um, just state of questioning everything helped me with that because it was kind of like, what if you didn't work forever as a doctor? Like, do people do that? Would that be a possibility? And what's so interesting is now a couple years out from leaving and not literally not missing it one day ever. Um, and, and I still go back and I say hi. And I mean, there's no bad blood or anything like that. It's, it's not that. It's just that I just don't miss that job anymore. I still have people who say, I just don't know how you could leave it. I just don't know how you could give it up. I'm like, really? (laughs) No, it's really an unusual. There's so much fear with change. And um, the other thing I do want to talk about, though, is when you talked about this, what I call a wake up call. Um, You called it a come to Jesus moment. I I think it's all of those things, right? It was something that literally shook you. Yeah. And it is often the death 
a, like a traumatic death or a surprising illness or or kids leaving the house or just all kind of reality setting in of yes. I'm going to be the caregiver of my aging parents. I hope that they won't need a lot of help, but they really might. How am I going to make that work for my yeah. family? My brother lives on the other side of the country. He will not be able to help. And so then I'm in this stuck situation. Like I already feel like I'm not doing my doctoring, you know, home life balance very well. How am I supposed to add that in? And then when you ask for what you need and it's denied, it's like, oh, it was a really a punch in the gut. It really Yeah, felt. oh, I can totally see that. But what really, what I find with my clients is the ability to dream again is not easily accessible. <laughs> yeah, right. So the fact that you looked at that milestone and were starting to ask yourself questions and, and entertaining them, not everybody does that. And uh, many many people are in so much pain because they're really, their heads in the sand. They're just focusing on paying the bills and the chaos yeah. of being a mom that the idea of actually entertaining choice and options is not yeah. readily accessible. So I think you get a little gold star for that one. Well, for thank whatever you. Reason, yeah. Oh, you just allowed yourself to go there. You know, one thing that I think was really helpful though, that I want to point out is uh, I had actually given this advice to a uh, family that I took care of, the mom had been going through just a very traumatic issue with her husband and came in for an office visit for her daughter and was telling me about what was going on. And she didn't know if she wanted to leave the marriage or not. And I actually had forgotten I'd even given her this advice, but she came back to me, I think two years later and told me that was the best thing anybody told me, my therapist, everybody, this is the best thing. And what I told her was, I don't think you need to decide right now. What if you just decide to not decide right now? And just let things play out. And when you're ready to make a decision, you're going to know. And she was so grateful that she was then given permission to basically explore, that she didn't have to make a choice immediately. And I think that unintentionally, I did something similar with my career. People, so I gave a six-month notice. Uh, which was, you know, pretty long time. And so of course people knew when they were, you know, talking to me and asking me questions, what I was going to do. And people were very concerned about me that I was going to be bored and, you know, unfulfilled <laughs> and all of these things. And, and what I really would always tell people is I'm just going to see where the wind blows me. Like, I'm just going to see, I have lots of interests. I'm not sure what I'm going to do. And, um, and that is also just deciding to not decide right? Yeah, just going like, I don't know right now. And I don't need to know, like, I'm willing to just explore. And I'm pretty sure I'm going to find something that I like, that's going to feel right. And yeah. I think when you're open to it in that way, then the things really can come into your life. And that's exactly what happened for me. Yeah, that's great advice. That's really great advice. Because there is a lot of pressure when I was in my funk for five years, <laughs> pressuring myself constantly. And I must have been the most boring friend at the time, because all <laughs> I wanted to do was talk about how confused I was. And how stuck I was. And oh my gosh, I wish I would have just said, you know what? Give, just chill out. <laughs> right. Exactly. Like I, right now I'm trying to figure out what I want to do and that's okay. It's really just accepting reality. Like right now, I don't know. I don't have to indulge in all of the negative emotions related to that. But I think when you decide to not decide, what you're doing then is you're still taking action, right? You're like yeah. saying, you're not going to indulge in indecision. You're saying, okay, I'm going to decide to check this thing out. And I'm going to decide to check that thing out. And I'm going to decide to take a leap and get that training or that certification and see if that's something that I want to do. It propels you forward yes. versus just spinning in the same thing over and over again. Exactly. You're allowing your 
yourself to dream, really. Yeah, yeah, it's really what it is. I don't need to sort out my life. And you know, it's so funny. I'm seeing this exact same thing with my kids and their peers right now. So Mm. they're graduating from university and starting to think about plans. And they're just like a bunch of midlife women, totally (laughs) (laughs) They're like freaking because they want to have it all solved and fixed. Yeah. They want the roadmap. They want the how. Yeah. They want to know how. And yeah, (laughs) it's not available to you. Keep moving forward. Every time you move a little bit forward, you'll meet more people. You'll get more ideas. You'll see more things to think about. Just keep moving towards something you love. And you'll look back and go, I could have never anticipated that it was going to go this way. Just like all of our lives. Who has their life mapped out decades in advance and it goes exactly that way? Nobody. So true. What's the next best right step? Then take that and see what happens, reevaluate and move forward from there. Yeah. We're so hard on ourselves. Yeah. So, well, and you know, especially physicians, right? I mean, it's all about being super high achiever and somewhere along the line, I mean, so many people do this anyway, but somewhere along the line, we get into this habit of if I do something wrong, then the ticket to improving is to beat myself up. Like that's somehow going to help. And then, you know, the, our relationship with ourselves is, is so weak where yeah, we're so accountable to other people, but when it comes to us, we just, it's like, I used to kind of say, uh, if I say I'm going to do something for someone else, it's happening, like 100% going to happen. If I say I'm going to do something for myself, like, eh, it might happen. <laughs> I mean, there's a chance, right? <laughs> well, chances are. Yeah, not. exactly. It's so common. It's so common. Um, I forgot what I was going to ask you. I was in, so we'll just move on. So the next okay. question. <laughs> I wanted to um, talk to you about once you made that decision and that date was closing in, what were you thinking and feeling at that moment? So at this point, you didn't know what you wanted to do, but right. you had the date coming close. Yes. Um, a lot of my clients talk about fear and mm-hmm. you haven't mentioned fear yet. So tell yeah. me a little bit about what you were thinking and feeling. So I did not really experience a lot of fear after I had let my practice know and told my patients it was up until that point because what I knew for sure was that I had a really good gig. I had amazing families. I had this patient panel that was to die for so great. And I knew that once I left, I could never come back to it. And I knew that I could create something similar somewhere else, but it would take many years. I had spent many, many years (laughs) in quotes, air quotes, training these people the way I wanted them to be, right? So I really had this ideal patient panel walking away from that from a very respectable um, and respected practice was something that I couldn't just go like, oops, never mind. <laughs> I changed my mind. I want to come back. That was not going to be an option. And so I spent some time talking to a lot of different people. Of course, I spoke to my husband a lot about it. We went and met with our financial planner to talk about just to make sure that this was not a ridiculously stupid idea. Uh, I spoke with both my parents about it. And I wasn't really looking for approval from people. I more just wanted to talk it out and get other people's opinions. A very trusted friend and I talked a lot about it because also this was not you know, public knowledge. So I had to be very careful who I was talking to. I live in my community where I practice. My, my office is, old office is literally a half a block down the street from me. So I can see it from my front yard. So, so what was the main question you were seeking advice about? Yeah, is this the about? stupidest thing I've ever decided okay. to do in my life? <laughs> <laughs> Am I a complete idiot? 
in, uh, in thinking that this is a good idea. And I remember my dad saying, my mom was much more concerned about just all the effort I had put in, which, you know, a lot of people are concerned about. But my dad, after we talked about everything, he said, you know what, if you don't love going there every day, life is too short. So true. Else. And I was like, you know what, my dad has really given me some excellent nuggets of advice over the years that have always really resonated with me. And that was one of them. And it was a little bit of permission. Like I'm not completely out of my mind, like completely cuckoo for thinking that this is a possibility. And then I actually saw Glennon Doyle Melton live and she, with this good trusted friend, and she also was talking about just different things about doing what scares you and, uh, and doing what you need to do in your life, even when it's not popular or not what the mainstream does. And then I was like, okay, this is it. So I drafted a letter, you know, I let my, my practice know, uh, my, you know, my boss and, and drafted a letter that was sent out to my patients. And then I felt very free. And it was like, see, now the decision's made. So the decision was made. Then what to do after that didn't really scare me because I just felt so much freedom and flexibility. I felt like I'd had so, my life had been so rigid for so long that the idea that I could just be like a stay-at-home mom for a while if I wanted to, and I could work if I wanted to, and I didn't have to if I didn't want to. And I mean, just the world of opportunities that opened up to me was really, really interesting and really exciting. And I had learned about coaching a couple years prior, had wanted to become certified as a coach, but it wasn't going to work with my schedule at that time. And I'd kind of forgotten about it until during that six-month period, I got an email that was inviting me to a webinar. I went on the webinar, which was fantastic. And what it was promoting was coach training. And I thought, oh, that's right. I wanted to do this. Oh my gosh, yes. I really, really, really want to do this. So that is so, so that's how that happened. That's so funny. So you had totally forgot. I, I can't tell you how many clients I have who I take them through this exercise looking to the past for for clues about what they've always loved. Yeah. And this little exercise, it people are totally for they've forgotten that they love to write. Yes. They forgot that they loved dogs they forgot right. like, whatever anything yeah. like it's just the craziest things and uh, it's such a reminder that you know life is chaotic and we don't spend enough time dreaming yeah so you here you finally had the window and it was an actual idea of something that you'd considered yes and um and you forgot about it so and i had really mentally put it on the someday list like maybe when the kids are all in school at some point i would like to do this and even thinking back prior to that when oprah would have marianne williamson on or martha beck or i was always i always liked those shows i always thought that was interesting and so it's i, I can look back now and go oh yeah i can see how that actually was sort of a natural progression i just didn't know it at the time okay but katrina Dr. Ubell, <laughs> coaching is an unregulated profession. So yeah, you it. have already said that you were a little concerned about what people would think. Did yeah. you also have that feeling and thought, did you have those same thoughts about what would people think about you doing this sort of thing? You know, I, I have to say, I'm not someone who overly cares what other people think in general. But did that mean that once I decided to do this, that I was like shouting from the rooftops that I was going to do this? No. <laughs> so I told, I told, you know, close friends and just didn't really say much that I, I just said, I'm going to just spend time with my family and just kind of, you know, take some downtime. And, um, and then when I went and felt like so 
inspired and so alive. And I knew for sure I really wanted to do it is when I let people know. And even so, I think they were kind of like pat on the head. Oh, that's nice. But then as things have really gone well, they're like, wait a minute. Now, I think she was actually onto something here. So um, you, you guys listening, the, the way I met Katrina was through coach training and we hit it off immediately. And uh, Katrina has a very popular podcast that I wanted to tell, I wanted her to tell you guys about. And she had me on as a guest once and uh, she's helping so many people. So tell us a little bit about your podcast. Yeah. So my, my podcast is called Weight Loss for Busy Physicians. So very typical. So I should also <laughs> say that I left practice and then I lost over 55 pounds. So <laughs> forget that little tidbit, right? That little tidbit. So lost a whole bunch of weight and also had to really face all of the issues about emotional eating that I'd had for so many years. Like the way that I got through those 10 years in practice and residency before it and medical school before that was with eating. And so I really just took the opportunity to revamp everything, right? You know, you're approaching 40, you want to reevaluate everything. I really had had thoughts of, I mean, maybe I should just accept that I'm going to be overweight. I mean, people gain weight as they age. Like maybe this is just how it's going to be. And instead of thinking I should be somehow different, maybe I should just accept myself and love myself as I am. You know what's so yeah. funny? Is I remember when, um, when I hit menopause, when I was in the peri phase, my doctor said, well, you know, you're going to gain 12 to 18 pounds. <laughs> and guess what? <laughs> Isn't that like the power of our brains, right? It's it was like, really that's amazing. Right. But when you, when you went to coach training, did you think that you were going to focus on weight loss? Did you think that this was going to be the thing that also helped you lose weight? I was definitely interested in that. I wasn't really sure though. Um, I, my, my kind of ideas of what I thought I might do were much more centered on my pediatric experience. So mm -hmm. I had had thoughts of maybe helping parents of children with special needs or doing some just overall parenting things because I, you know, over 10 years, I had really honed my skills. You know, I thought about helping, you know, people whose babies don't sleep or things like that. But once I was at coach training, what I realized was I'd been doing that for so long and sure I had the skills and a lot of expertise, but I kind of didn't want to talk about it anymore. <laughs> oh, I I've done that. it for so long. Yeah. I just sort of felt like, Oh, like, I don't know if that's really what I want to do. And I don't know exactly when I had the idea about weight loss for physicians, but I thought, well, you know, if I can tackle this myself, I know there's got to be at least a few doctors out there who might be interested in learning this kind of thing too. Katrina, I think it was there. I think I saw you have the idea. Oh yeah, maybe I, that's yeah. possible. I remember having a conversation where you were kind of presenting it and uh, my husband's a physician and I happened to, and my father was a physician. I happened to just know physicians yeah. and I just thought right away it was a great idea. And yeah. so your podcast has become really popular. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's, I think just physicians in general like to listen to podcasts because they're busy and they don't really necessarily have a lot of time to read. So in the car they like to listen or if they're just doing stuff around the house. But what I think I was kind of surprised about was that I wasn't the only one, like, you know, we all think we're the special snowflake, right? That we're the only ones who are struggling or only have this one specific problem or issue and just how this affects the masses of physicians in all kinds of untold ways. And what I hear back in reviews on my podcast and in emails are even people who are like, I don't need to lose weight, but your podcast has completely changed my life. 
in terms of my thinking about my job. I'm actually showing up as the mom I want to be now. I'm enjoying my teenage children who I basically detested before. I mean, like major life changes. Some people are like, I lost 60 pounds just listening to your podcast. I'm like, Amazing. <laughs> like, this is so fun, you know? And I, and what I now find coming full circle is I'm still helping people. Like, that's the part I love doing as a doctor, but it's a much broader reach. And yeah. a lot of these doctors are learning all of these tools and skills and learning it themselves. And now they're teaching their patients how to do it. So, I mean, the reach, my reach is so much greater than it ever could have been one-on-one. Yeah. Oh patients. my gosh. Yeah. And when you first invited me on your podcast and you said, yeah, I think doctors will really resonate with the whole midlife funk thing. I'm like, oh, really? Yeah, you were like, I don't know. I'm like, oh, they will. Trust oh me. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's been so amazing talking to uh, and helping people who have found me through you because you're right. And like I said, a lot of the doctor funk is going on in the 30s and yes. 40s. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of funky thinking going on out there with very chaotic and busy overachieving women for sure. And it's so great to be able to help. The other thing that you bring up that um, I just find really compelling is, and I've seen this with other clients, is that just because you left your medical practice, your traditional medical practice, doesn't mean that you're still not able to help people and you're still not a doctor at your core of core. Yes. And um, I know that this happens to a lot of people. They think they get so, their identity and their personal brand is so tied in to their original training or their original career path that it's very hard for them to see that their identity and brand has nothing to do with the job. It has to do with them and their lens and their way to approach the world and help people. And I think that's totally what you've seen. You've left traditional pediatrics, but it's so amazing that even though you're now dealing with helping busy physicians lose weight, that you're still a doctor at your core yeah. At your total core. Yeah. And it's really who you are. It's who you always have been. Yeah. And, you know, people will sometimes say, oh, she used to be a doctor. And in my mind, I'm like, no, I'm still a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one thing I wanted to point out that I think helped me a little bit, and it just because I think some people might be like, it just seems like she just gave it up kind of so easily. I have always been someone who kind of changed things relatively, kind of big things in the sense that I went to college to be an engineer. Midway through that, I was like, yeah, I don't want to be an engineer. I want to be a doctor. Got the engineering degree anyway. Then went the whole pre-med route, totally thinking I wanted to do orthopedic surgery because I had learned all about and done research on prosthetic limbs and you know that kind of thing. Was all about orthopedic surgery until my third year of medical school when I actually started doing my rotations, decided I don't actually think surgery is for me, but sure do I love seeing all these children every time I see them, then decided to do pediatrics. So, you know, I, I never was like, no, but I was so locked into ortho. I have to do ortho. Orthopedics is it. I have to do that you know, at my own expense, I was like, yeah, if I don't want to do that, then I'm just not going to do that anymore. And that's kind of the skill. Like people were like, I'm so surprised. I'm like, yeah, I'm not so surprised actually. (laughs) Well, I have to tell you the feel of your story is different than many of the women I've interviewed and, and coached. There is typically a lot more fear and people really struggle with stability. A lot of women talk about stability and um, the fear of what they know is better than the fear of what yeah. they know. So- well, and I have to also say I was very lucky in the sense that my husband was still enjoying his job. Yes. I mean, it was at a point where when I was trying to come up with arguments to stay in my job, I was really having a hard time coming up with them. We really didn't need the money. My educational debt was paid off. 
Like there, there was just a lot going on in our lives. Like, yeah. you know, the financial advisor said, he's like, you know, I have a number of two physician clients, you know, uh, married clients. And he's like, over the course of time, almost always, at least one of them ends up, um, you know, taking a break or doing something non-clinical or just changing their job completely so that um, they can be home with the children or something like that. That kind of kind of gave me a little of that permission. Like, see, people do this. See, having a two-doctor couple is really hard. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you hit the nail on the head when you talked about lack of flexibility. Um, yeah. Two people, if two people's jobs are really demanding, the flexibility that you have in your home life and it's like zero. Yeah. It, right? it, it really was so, and even to just make it to a school event, oh my gosh, the stress of the day and, and, you know, the schedule and trying to keep on track. And then somebody wants to talk about something else and you're trying to be nice outwardly, but inside you're like, oh my God, I got to get out of this room. You know, <laughs> I mean, the stress, you know, and of course I could, you know, like I said, I could have used so much coaching and changed everything about that. And, you know, I, I even wonder if I'd had a lot of coaching, if maybe I would have just found a different job within pediatrics. But well, what I, I also really yeah. love is now I never entertained the idea of being an entrepreneur or being a business owner. And now in doing that, I can also see how that was, is really well suited for me. Um, I like to be in charge. I like to be the one making the decisions. And I think that's one reason I struggled in my practices. I, I didn't have that total autonomy. I didn't really see any way to grow anymore in that job. Now, could I have found another job within medicine where it could have grown? Absolutely. Well, I'm, I'm really no. glad you mentioned that because I think ultimately that is the source of the pain when people are in a midlife funk. They have this, this it's subtle, they don't know what it is, but it's the sense that they're stagnant and yeah. that they need growth. And it's very hard to articulate. The way I describe it uh, now that I've coached a lot of people, it's very consistent. And it's kind of like they feel like they're swimming in mud. It's mm -hmm. hard to move. It's hard to see clearly. And yeah. then once they get through it on the other side of their funk, it's like they're swimming around in a crystal clear blue pool yeah. where it's beautiful and it's clear and it's happy. I felt so entrenched by my negative thinking that I, of course, thought was totally everyone else's fault. And, you know, <laughs> right? nothing to do with me, of course, you know, like, and, and it's interesting, the mud, I, I can see that analogy. I think I probably felt more like trapped, I think mm. is kind of like, like, in, like caged or something like that. Just this idea of like, it literally, this is it. Like, this is how it's going to be now forever. Like, it reminds me of breastfeeding. No one's really honest about breastfeeding. <laughs> And people are like, I love that. I'm like, really? Okay. Good for you. <laughs> it feels like, a feels like a barracuda to me. Um, right. <laughs> I remember that first week. Oh my gosh. It was so funny. Yes. Like, I don't know. There's parts to every career that it's very hard to anticipate. You're also very young. It's, you have no clue what your family's going to be like and right. what you're going to want out of being a mother. And it's, it's impossible to know. So, I think many of us as physicians, when we were kids and, you know, later in high school and college making these decisions, I, when I think about the doctors that I knew who I had kind of a thought of like, Ooh, I'd kind of like to have that life. They were all men. Uh, and now after the fact, I've thought to myself, Hmm, I wonder why their lives, you know, didn't seem so difficult. And you know what it was? They had a wife who handled everything, literally we all, we all. everything. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so, and I think so many women of my generation who are now doctors are also in a similar position where they're like, I have no role model to look up to. I have nobody to, that I can look to 
you know, 10 or 20 years ahead of me, who's like, you know, or that they know, I mean, obviously there are some women, but you know, any, like anybody who can kind of give me the, some tips or like, you know, this is what worked really well for me. And mm. we try to hire stuff out and, you know, throw money at the problem. That's what I would always think to myself. How can I throw money at this problem? Like I have money, I have no time, but I have money. Like, what can I do? And, um, and even so it still didn't make it better. It was like, you know what? I actually like grocery shopping. Like, can I have a life where I can go to the store once a week and pick out my own apples? Like, is that so much to ask for? You know? <laughs> so, yeah, that's, that's a very interesting way to look at it that, you know, in essence, these male role models had an assistant. Yeah, and they, definitely. And maybe they didn't want to buy apples, but you're saying you, that homemaker role of that nurturing role that you enjoyed it and had no time for it. And, yeah. Right. Uh, and it always made me feel like, I just always felt like I was doing everything not very well. Yeah. Although I should definitely say that, you know, my overachiever in me made me make sure for sure that I was doing a really good job at work. And then my family got kind of the leftovers and sometimes there was more there and sometimes there was less. And, you know, I think just as I aged too, my body and my brain just like couldn't keep up so much anymore. I just didn't have that energy. I remember coming home sometimes late. I mean, my husband works 20 minutes from our house. He came home before me 98% of the time. I mean, wow. he, it just is a different situation. And he would have the kids getting ready for bed and I couldn't even walk up the stairs. I would just sit on the couch and just turn on the TV and just, I wanted to just zone out, you know, how was your day? I can't even get into it right now. You know, like I, I like didn't even have the energy to talk. I didn't want to rehash it again. I just couldn't even well, anymore. You know, <laughs> That's a perfect segue into this last question I want to ask you. I had so much fun with you here. So if you, uh, that was a very painful time. It was a very confusing time and it was it was very murky. <laughs> yes. So if you had a piece of advice, now that you've busted through your funk, you're on the other side, you did some scary things, but you're into your, your new life with more flexibility, more control, more decision-making, what would you tell other women in the middle who are still in the mud? They're still in that murky, confusing, very frustrating phase. I think my biggest piece of advice is don't tell yourself that there's not a solution right? When you tell yourself that there's nothing better out there, that there's no way to get what you want, then you're completely blocking your brain off from solving the problem for you. I completely did that. I think that's what we all do. Right? And that's how we feel like a victim. We feel trapped. We feel stuck because we just keep telling ourselves, this is all I can do. There's nothing else I can do. Or sure, I want a life that looks like this, but there's no way I can make that work given these other restrictions in my life. That is like you know, the death sentence, basically like, yeah, then you're going to be doing that until you retire, you know, like that's what you're going to be doing. And allowing yourself to just open your mind to possibilities, even when they seem totally extreme and crazy, just let, like you're saying, dreaming, but just letting your brain just solve a problem, asking it the right question. These are the things I want. I want flexibility with my family. I want to have, you know, meaningful contact with people. I want to whatever. These, this is the value I can provide in my life what would be a way that I could make all of those come together so that I have the life that I want? And it's like, your brain is so smart. It's so powerful, right? So much more powerful than any computer. It's going to come up with solutions for you. And that can be the ticket to 
figuring out what you want to do next. Oh, that is the ticket. What movie was that from? Was that Saturday Night Live? That's the ticket. That's <laughs> I, don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember. Somebody will chime in on that. Christina, thank you so much. I'm going to definitely, in the show notes, post a link to your podcast, which is called Weight Loss for Busy Physicians. Yes. And if there's, uh, and also to your website. So thanks so much for joining us today. It was amazing to hear from you. Susie, thank you so much for having me. That's it for this episode. If you're frustrated and want some help yourself, you have come to the right place. As you may know, I help amazing women like you get excited about your life again. If you're stuck and not that happy about where you're at in your career or in another part of your life, it just might be time for you to focus on making that change that you've been thinking about. I offer a free 20-minute insight call, and I would love to hop on the phone and connect. If you're ready to get clear, get excited, and get going, let's talk. Life is too short to waste time in a frustrated negative spin. You are not alone, my friend. Just go to www.susierosenstein.com and hover over the About tab. You'll see Free Session on the drop-down menu. Click there, and you can book straight into my calendar. It is super easy, and I can't wait to talk to you. Let's do this, ladies, one scary but exciting dream at a time. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you.